Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 277th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. Happy New Year. How are you doing this new year, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, do you ever, do you make any New, re- new Year's resolutions? Uh, not a big New Year's resolution guy. You're not a, like a, you're not feeling like a new man? Hitting that, uh, hitting 2024 and just... Not this year. Not this year, okay. Other years, maybe. Is there s- There's something like just turning the calendar to the new yeah. year. You just feel like time to time to rise and grind, you know? <laughs> yeah. New year, new me. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Something about the end of the year, I'm just like, just, you know, feeling kind of lazy. It's Christmas. I'm yeah. eating bad. Yeah. But when it's it's the new calendar, it's like, all right, yeah. time to sharpen up. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I feel like if I was going to do New Year's resolutions, like I'm like all of them, all the stereotypical ones, like apply to me right now. So it feels like there's too many. What, can, how too many I, improvements you can how make. How do I choose between exercising, eating better, getting more sleep? How do I choose between those things that would just like make me feel better? I don't know. So you just don't do any of them. Either do them all or nothing. So far, Nothing. Okay. We'll see if that changes. Yeah, same here. <laughs> it's like, you know, I feel like I should be a new man, but I'm like, yeah, it's just the same old me, actually. Yeah. This was your first New Year's Eve with a baby, with yeah. a child. Yeah. Um, I was telling my wife earlier today, actually, I'm like, it doesn't even feel like the new year because I didn't go. This is like the first time I I didn't go to some kind of gathering. I didn't watch the ball drop. Mm. I didn't celebrate when the when the clock struck midnight were you awake when that happened i think i was actually but i was like ready for bed and was just home so yeah didn't feel official we got a babysitter and went out to a friend's house and then that we thought we were gonna maybe uber home but ubering home in springfield missouri is not not really like ubering in a big city you know it's expensive it's expensive and you don't even know if there's going to be any drivers out. And we waited <laughs> too long to try to set it up. So it was like 1.30 and there was, we found a car. It was on its way. Then it disappeared. It's like, so, yeah, we're going to drive now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> by the time it was going to pick us up, we were like, all right, I think we'll just drive. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's been a good, it was a good 2023 for Mizzou Sports. Um, I've been enjoying seeing everybody reminiscing about Last basketball season, I had to throw on the uh, Mizzou-Utah State highlights earlier today, partly just to remember what good basketball looks like. Kobe Brown, man. He was good. That play where he, like, went coast to coast, went, like, went to back down the defender, spin move, reverse dunk. I remember that was, like, a whole thing, like, in the media kind of leading up to that game was... Uh, Utah State was just like a bunch of kind of small white guys who could shoot. And it yeah. was like, how are you going to handle Kobe Brown? Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, we, we've we played people like him in our conference. Like, yeah. you know, we play players as good as him. We'll be fine. And they had that one guy, Akin, who mm-hmm. was like, you know, looked like big body guy who yeah. was athletic and stuff. So, but and then no, Kobe just totally bullied them the whole yeah. game. So it was like, yeah, his, I think- his second half in that game was crazy. Yeah. Pull, pull up threes, step back jumpers, dunking it. He's incredible. Yeah. This is just your reminder to, if you're feeling down or just, you know, watching, 
if you've watched a bad basketball game, just go on, throw on some Kobe Brown highlights. Yeah. And don't watch, don't think about what happened after that Utah State game. Exactly. They won the, won they won the whole tournament. They won the whole tournament. <laughs> won the NCAA tournament game. First time in a decade. That's all you need to worry about. Uh, what We are going to talk about Missouri basketball and their two games since we last talked and the start of SEC play coming up. And of course, we're going to recap the Cotton Bowl and talk transfer portal stuff. Before we do all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a re- review wherever you listen to us. And of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Um, so we'll stick, we'll start with basketball here. Um, we talked about the fact that Illinois, it's been a while since we've recorded. We took a week off for the holidays, but, um, we talked about that Illinois team and how on paper that was like kind of a death matchup for Missouri. And sure enough, Missouri lost to Illinois 97 to 73. Uh, Missouri shot six of 27 from three. And that was one of their better statistics on the game. Yeah. Uh, Basically, nothing good happened. Um, If I'm trying to find any bright spots, Sean East was able to score 18 points to stick right around his average, but had just two assists to three turnovers. That's not good. Um, Did get 12 points from Trent Pierce. So a little bit of a bright spot. But Missouri's defense was non-existent. I mean, you give up 97 points. Um, Illinois shot 66% from two, 33% from three. And Mizzou sent Illinois to the free throw line 31 times. Yeah, it was like two years ago when we played Illinois, we were saying the same thing. This looks like a horrible matchup on paper. Uh, Terrence Shannon like should just completely destroy us. Uh, and that didn't happen. We just ran away with the game. I don't know what happened. This year, it was like, okay, this is what we felt like probably should have happened, actually yeah. happened. And Terrence Shannon, he showed why he's one of the best players in the country. Yeah. Although now he's like suspended. Yes. They waited to suspend him right after the Missouri game. Yes, of course. Um, but legal things aside, he was incredible in this game. Went for 30. Yeah. He just did exactly what he normally does and gets to the line and was really aggressive and uh, was pretty much unstoppable. Um, yeah. So not a whole lot to learn from that game, unfortunately. Um Missouri did then beat Central Arkansas 92 to 59. Central Arkansas, one of the worst teams in the country. Um, so, you know, that's not much to learn there. Either. Exactly. Um, we're just like beating up on these like 300 level Ken Palm teams from Arkansas to beat <laughs> Arkansas Pine Bluff scored a hundred in the opening game against them and now beat Central Arkansas. We need to be in the conference where, those teams play apparently a good idea uh tamar bates did have 25 points sean east had 16 points they they struggled to shoot from three still i mean honor east and bates combined for six of ten from three the rest of the team over 14 including over five from noah carter who has who really kind of struggled the whole month of december basically uh, offensively, it just hasn't been there for him. It seems like he can hit an open three, but hasn't been super consistent with it. Mm-hmm. And he can score if he's got good positioning in the post, but 
I don't know. It just, it, I, I feel like I've, I'm a broken record now, but yeah, we don't have guys that can create for themselves. I think this is just like, you're, you're kind of seeing what happens when the cupboard is bare a little bit, uh, recruiting wise. Like we just, we, we went out and got some transfers this year and just kind of missed. And so now we're relying on like former Juco players and players that could, can fill a role like they did last year when they have talent around them, like yeah. it, literally two NBA players on the team. Like yeah. that makes a big difference. Um, but when players like Sean East and Noah Carter, um, you know, love those guys and they're going to, they're playing their absolute hardest, but when they are, you know, being relied upon to take over those star roles that are, you know, left by NBA players, we can see like, you know, they're not terrible players, but they just don't have the pedigree and the talent to fill those shoes. Like we probably thought they might. And, and you always expect with that many transfers for it to take a little bit for everything to come together. Mm -hmm. But then even in the best moments, like this team can go on the road and beat a top 100 team, right. but you're still those, those areas where they struggle still show up even in those games. Right. And the lack of production from the front court players has been an issue. Um, and we just like Sean East and Tamar Bates, both shooting over 50% from three but they are not supposed to be high volume right. scorers. Yeah, that's that's really probably the the main problem is we're relying on two small guards who are not natural scorers to lead us in three point shooting, and um, it does really just feel like there's there's guys who can who can play roles, but um, it's just not really gelling and really playing terrible defense. Honestly, yeah, this whole season the. It's it kind of sucks. We're just now starting conference play, but there's a little bit of a tendency for me to be looking at the class, the classes here, and see like, okay, what's what can we look for in conference play as like a building block or stepping stone to next year? If this is indeed just kind of an in between, if this is a down year for Missouri basketball, like we, you know, we hope that this type of thing is what a down year looks like and not much worse than this moving forward, then obviously you're going to lose Sean East, Noah Carter, Caleb Grill. But those those guys, Caleb Grill will come back uh, halfway through conference play. You're going to lose Nick Honor. It really feels like Tamar Bates, Aiden Shaw, and the freshmen, that's what, that's what I'm going to be looking for in conference play is how are those guys developing mm -hmm. and what are they – adding to their game where are they building confidence that can uh you know be a stepping stone into next year yeah yeah it does feel like some of those older players are just getting a ton of usage and yeah i definitely would like to see kind of the, the changing of the guard a little bit at some point in conference season assuming things are not going well right uh, i mean like you said this team can can still go beat really anybody on the road they've they've showed that they can they can hang with anybody but um consistently i don't think they're going to be able to do it for the for the rest of the conference season they're sitting at eight and five now in non-conference play that's good for 90th in kimpom uh 72 on offense 127 on defense offensively just some highlights i picked out uh, we talked about the three-point shooting from east and bates east averaging 17 points per game uh, Noah Carter and Nick Honor are second both with or they're tied for second both with 11 points per game I would like to see Tamar Bates usage go up if uh, 
especially in these early conference games where Caleb Grill is still not available. I like to see his usage increase a little bit. Um, defensively, forcing turnovers, 43rd in the country. That's a, a plus, uh, but they're giving up offensive rebounds at an insane rate, 319th in the country. Um, they're also blocking a lot of shots randomly, second best block percentage in the country. Yeah, thank you, Aiden Shaw. Yeah, they did focus a lot on that in the offseason. Um, you know, if we talked a lot about this last year and how the, just the style of play they were they're playing where they're they're kind of almost choosing to be a little bit more aggressive on defense. They're forcing turnovers and they're just getting back instead of trying to get offensive rebounds. And um, are they? There's not forcing turn, turnovers at the rate they were last year. I would assume. Correct. Yeah. So the I think that's just hurting us a lot more than it was last year. Um, just the the rebounding has still stayed consistently bad, but the turnovers haven't stayed as high as they were last year yeah. either. And it's those. It's the offensive rebounding that is that's killing them. Uh, giving up way too many of those and sending teams to the free throw line way too much not getting to the free throw line on offense yeah that's that's honestly such an interesting thing is um i think and maybe that has something to do with like a lot of our undersized guards like driving into the middle and like pulling out and like Mm -hmm. like sean east does Mm -hmm. classically all the time or you know nick honor goes in there and, and drives in hard sometimes and maybe gets fouled but i don't know i don't know if that's just like those guys look like they're not getting fouled because they're just getting blocked or they're they're too undersized to go in there and and draw a foul but it does feel like we do not get to the line nearly enough as we should be missouri is uh top 50 in most three-pointers attempted it's a three-pointers attempted per field goal attempted and missouri's top 50 in most threes yeah so just definitely feels like we're incapable to consistently drive in and get good shots on the inside so we're just kind of settling for for threes yeah but if we're going to shoot that many threes like against illinois let's see missouri attempted 27 threes well sean east shot six of them but that feels a little bit out of the ordinary for him i don't know i feel like he they're kind of stuck with wanting him to be the primary facilitator but also he's been the best scorer so i don't know need to find a balance there uh, first game in conference play is going to be at home against Georgia. So right off the bat, we're going to get a matchup that's going to be one of the most winnable conference games the rest of the way. Um, Georgia is 86th in Kempom, 123 on offense, 56 on defense. And when I look at Georgia defensively, which is their strength, of course, uh, Mike White's the coach there. It's his second year after seven years at Florida. Their defense is a lot like Illinois. It's like Illinois light. They're not trying to turn you over, but they are forcing you to take contested shots. And, you know, we talked about that in the preview, and that is exactly what we saw against Illinois. Every shot was like drifting through the lane, fading away, contested threes. And that's exactly what Georgia's going to try to do. They're going to set up their half-court offense, try to force you into some bad spots offensively. They're not as good at it as Illinois is, so there will be opportunities there. I feel like Missouri should be able to have some looks from three, but um, Georgia has really good paint defense, and they just rely on locking guys up and making things difficult without turning you over. 
They're not a high offensive rebounding team, so that weakness for Missouri maybe won't come into effect as much. Um, but this basically, I'm looking at looking at the schedule on Kempom right now. They have Missouri favored in only five games in conference play. This one against Georgia is one of those. So really need this to be a win. Yeah, it feels like we got to start off strong here. And like you said, you know, I think Mike White's a good coach and probably a, a program that's on the rise and they're a lot better than they were last year. Um, so uh, an athletic team that can can certainly cause some issues. So um, I think it, it might be kind of an ugly game, but one that Missouri should de- should definitely win. Then Missouri goes on the road to play Kentucky. And Kentucky is really good this year. Uh, they're sort of leading the charge as far as the, the SEC um, trying to make a splash on the national scene this year. It's Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, A&M's right there. Yeah. Mississippi State's going to be good. Yeah, it's crazy to think that, you know, almost as long as we've had this podcast, you know, for your four or five years now, Kentucky has kind of taken the shape of this team that gets that young elite talent, uh, has really high expectations coming into the season, and it kind of disappoints because they end up just being, you know, a team that doesn't shoot well. They're very athletic. They're very long, but um, they don't. They just don't shoot as well as they should, especially when it comes down to conference play and stuff like that. And even to the point last year where um, I feel like Coach Calipari was kind of not on the hot seat, but maybe some of those those fringe Kentucky fans, those crazy fans, like uh, a lot of people wanted him gone. So um, this felt like a year that Coach Calipari had to kind of figure some things out, um, really prioritize shooting in the transfer portal, and that's what they've done. And you know, I don't think we can, I don't think we can tease Kentucky anymore about being a team that can't shoot because. Right now, they're shooting like 42% from three as a team, which is, I think, top five in the country. And they're not shying away from shooting them either. They're shooting right. a lot of them. And also, they're still as long and athletic as they were before, And but also they can shoot. So that makes them much more dangerous than I feel like they've been the past couple of years. Yeah, they have assembled a squad that looks like the type of team that's built to make a march run. Maybe they're relying a little bit too much on freshmen, but that's nothing new for Calipari and Kentucky. And it'll only get better as the season goes on. Exactly. But um, sort of the headline guys for them, obviously Antonio Reeves is back from last year's squad uh, who previously transferred there from Illinois State. Um, He is kind of, he's their primary guy offensively, um, shooting 46% from three and 58% 58% from two. So he's like flirting with a uh, 50, 40, 90 season. That's absolutely nuts. That like literally almost half the shots you're shooting from three are going in. That's just, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, then a uh, name you've heard before, but uh, has been around the block a time or two. Trey Mitchell is uh, holding down the forward spot. Uh, pr- seventh year senior. He's been around. Uh, Missouri was recruiting him in the transfer portal feels like five years ago. Yeah. Uh, But he has found himself at Kentucky, and he's playing really well. He's actually one of the few guys that's not not as much of a three-point threat, although even he's shooting 38%. But he is kind of a paint beast, gobbles up rebounds, blocks a few shots. Um, Those are the two seniors leading the way. Then their freshman class – Guard DJ Wagner as like a facilitating low turnover point guard. 
uh, combo guard. Rob Dillingham is another freshman who is, has one of the best assist rates in the country, um, also shooting 45% from three. And then Reed Shepard is a really interesting player, shooting 56% from three on 50 attempts. Also, he is 11th in the country in steal percentage. And if you watch him play, he looks like Demoy Hodge playing defense last year for the Missouri Tigers. He's going forward every time. He is pesky, turning guys over like as soon as they cross half court. And uh, yeah, they have just really, they've really found, uh, I don't know, they've got the right rotations going. They did lose to Kansas uh, back in November, and they lost to UMC, UNC Wilmington at home by seven at the beginning of December. So they do have two losses, uh, but that UNC Wilmington team, they're probably going to win 20-plus games and maybe win their conference. And Yeah, that's a classic like 13-seed like mid-major team who's probably really sharp. Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, I can't see this Missouri team going into Rupp Arena and winning. I mean, like, there's super talented Kentucky teams that we've seen in the past that I feel like a Dennis Gates, hard-nosed, athletic Missouri team can compete with. Yeah. But this Kentucky team is just, like, they're very, I don't know, it's like a, they're like very technical yeah with their offense yeah and you know like you said they they do rely on freshmen a lot and so that can come with some volatility so i guess that's really what you hope for is that you get in there and hopefully the freshmen have an off night and um you just do your best to get out of there with a competitive game you got four of them have to do it though (laughs) is the problem uh so i'm gonna predict that missouri splits these two games yeah i think so gets the home win and then loses at kentucky i'd take it honestly yeah for sure yeah, we need to. It's going to be a battle to like stay around five hundred in conference play. Mm-hmm. So it's going to feel like yeah, every week we just if, need to split. If we're going five hundred in the SEC this year, I mean the SEC feels really strong. Other yeah. than Vanderbilt, feels like every team is really pretty good. And so if you're going five and five in the SEC, I mean you might give yourself a shot to be on the bubble. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Missouri, as you look down the schedule, though they're going to need a win. They're going to need a big upset to offset. The Jackson State loss. Yep. They're still gonna they're gonna be chasing that all season. So we can move on to talking about the cotton bowl. I was gonna save this for last, but I feel like it would just get us in the mood. Producer Cameron, can you hit us with Coach Drink post game? than you in the fourth quarter and we got an elite edge and we're not going to be denied and now we're the cotton bowl champs m-i-z c-o-u it's gonna save that for the end uh that was electrifying chronologically it makes more sense but i just want to get <laughs> we can do it again at the end i like that idea i'm sure most much. people know what happened and they, so we're not spoiling it for anyone yeah but. missouri beats ohio state 14 to 3 Cotton Bowl champs. Missouri finishes the season 11 and 2. They're going to be maybe seventh in the final AP poll. AP poll. It's awesome. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it was a little bit of a rough game at times. Um, what are your thoughts right off the top? It was like a little bit frustrating at times, but. Yeah. I mean, honestly, 
it kind of went how we thought it might go maybe a little bit worse than how we thought but we you know we talked about this having the potential to be kind of an ugly game it's two elite defenses and two rusty offenses that haven't played in a month and uh, honestly my Missouri offense that maybe really never found its groove um, totally at any point and then Ohio State playing without their starting quarterback and best wide receiver so you know in retrospect it's like well yeah I guess that kind of makes sense that you know good defenses and kind of shaky offense but it was pretty brutal what was it three to zero at halftime yeah Yeah. uh three to zero at the start of the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. um early on it looked like there was a couple uh Travion Henderson had a couple decent runs it was like oh are we going to be missing Hopper in this game yeah it was just him and Rakestraw that didn't play. And uh, this is not the first game that either one of them have, had missed. So kind of knew like, okay, we can withstand that a little bit. But when Henderson got going early, it was like, uh-oh. If, they're, if Ohio State gets their running game going and they don't have to have these backup quarterbacks sit in the pocket, this could get rough. Right. But um, yeah, he's definitely one of the best running backs in the country for sure. Uh, for the most part, Missouri handled him really well. Yeah. The defensive line was playing awesome. Yes. Um, they looked really confident and were honestly kind of dominating um, at the line of scrimmage for a lot of the game. Uh, what we definitely thought was Ohio State's weakness in this game was going to be the quarterback position. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of film on Devin Brown out there, but what there was wasn't very wasn't very exciting wasn't very impressive not scary at all not at all and he was that same player at least in the the short amount of time that he played in this game and so you know right off the bat Missouri was really aggressive against him and bringing blitzes and he looked pretty uncomfortable like from the get-go yes uh it would have been interesting to see obviously he got hurt and came out of the game and the third stringer uh Lincoln Kineholtz came in it would have been interesting to see Devin Brown play the full game Mm -hmm. and see what all they were going to try to do with him in the passing game he was uh four of six passing didn't get anything going too deep but yeah just targeting Egbuka like every every pass basically who for the most part you know Missouri bottled him up and he's going to be probably a first round draft pick yeah but after Devin Brown went down then there was basically no passing game to speak of Mm -hmm. and Missouri was getting in the in the backfield and just was able to kind of sell out to stop the run and was able to bottle up Henderson. Ohio State was under 100 yards rushing as a team. So if you would have told me that before the game, I would have said, okay, that's definitely a good sign. Yeah. Missouri's offense was doing nothing early. Um, Six possessions, uh, six punts to start the first half. Um, Both offensive lines were struggling a bit. Obviously, going up against very good defensive lines on both sides and you know very good secondary in ohio state so you know it did at times it looked like the 2022 brady cook a guy who was running around a lot and made some good plays with his legs Mm -hmm. but looked very uncomfortable throwing the ball down the field Mm -hmm. and you know obviously we were not at the game we're watching it on tv so it's you know it's kind of hard to see what he's seeing downfield but it looked like he was reluctant to take any chances until later in the game yeah but um, he, he really struggled early on. It's hard. I get, I don't know what to think sometimes as a fan because I'm like just begging them to take a shot. I'm begging him to just let a receiver go make a play. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because I can see how it would make sense for the game plan to be like, look, 
they're not going to have Ohio State's not going to have a lot going on on offense. We're very confident in our defense. We don't need to go out here and take a bunch of chances to win this game. As much as fans, I'll, I'll never, I'll never say, well, let's just play it safe and just try to get out of here with a win. You know, you do that in the fourth quarter, maybe, but I don't know. It's always going to be a little bit frustrating when it feels like that's the game plan, right? From the jump, right? And absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, Missouri is coming in here to win the game right. and not to put up stats. Like they, yeah. the, uh, clearly, it meant everything in the world for them to come in and win, almost to the point where it was like a detriment because they were not taking any chances. But I mean, you're exactly right, though. Ohio State not threatening on offense in the slightest bit, just kind of out mediocre them on offense, and that's basically what we did. And it was it was easily enough. Now Missouri didn't score till the fourth quarter, but probably should have should have had an opportunity for points. Uh, at the end of the first half, they were lining up Mevis for a 65-yarder. He was and, totally going to make that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and took a delay of game penalty. And a dome. He oh, could, yeah. He doesn't <laughs> kick in domes very often. And they were saying that he was making them from there in pregame. Oh, I wish he so had the chance. We absolutely got robbed of that. And But honestly, it's easy to overlook it now that Missouri won. But that was a pretty frustrating moment Yeah, in the moment of just like it sometimes feels like the uh, special teams unit, the kicking unit, field goal kicking unit can't figure out the clock. Completely unaware. Like it was just a normal fourth down. Missouri didn't have any timeouts. Yeah. You gotta, so you gotta, gotta have some urgency there. Yeah. Mevis was out there taking like practice kicks and stuff. And it's like, you guys gotta go. Yeah. And you know, I think that's obviously partly on Eric Link, the special teams coordinator, but also I think that's partly on, on coach drink. You know, he's relieved himself of some of those duties. Um, to be, he's gotten some of those those things off his plate, like the play calling and all that, to be able to dedicate more time to, you know, kind of being the head guy. So you know, he's got to be more aware of that stuff. And you know, it already happened once in the Kansas State game, and luckily yeah. it, it didn't burn us, but it could have. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. I mean, big picture things aside, with clock management, uh, Mevis not getting to attempt a sixty-five yarder there, legacy kick. Yeah, that, that we were robbed of. Yes, that's gonna haunt us. Um, I don't know about the timeline here exactly, but uh, I wanted to mention Johnny Walker had a bit of a roller coaster of a game. He ended up getting the defensive MVP award, but uh, he like had the huge sack on Devin Brown that actually was a fumble and nobody realized it. I think Mizzou fans were on it, but the refs were not. I think the official call was fumble recovered by brown yeah but i think he just maybe barely landed on top of the ball and then it squirted right out to a mizzou player in my opinion that's another thing that i think maybe coach shrink has to be on top of a little bit more maybe he's in the ref's ear maybe he's calling a timeout there for so they can look at it i don't know because i mean that is a massive massive opportunity to get the ball inside you know in the red zone in a low scoring game you have to do everything you can you can do to try to you know get the ball there yeah uh but so that was good Johnny Walker. Bad Johnny Walker uh, with a asterisk next to it. Yeah. Gets a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty when Ohio State's drive should have been over. But that was a little questionable because he I didn't see him really do anything on on the replay. On the replay. He got punched in the face and yeah. then I guess retaliated, of course. Yeah. But yeah, on the replay, they actually only showed the first, the Ohio State player, right. you know, open hand slapping him across the helmet. And then yeah. 
Yeah. But at this point, they probably, like, somebody did the scattering report because, I mean, Johnny Walker has shown that he is incapable of handling those kind of emotional outbreaks. So uh, it looks like that. Reportedly he, spit on a player in the LSU yeah, game. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, he got thrown out of the LSU game earlier this season. So he has a, maybe a bit of a, a, rep, of a reputation. So yeah. they if, were maybe going after him. If you know a guy has those tendencies, try to rattle him a little bit. <laughs> but um, it all worked out okay. It all did. Yeah. And then he got to do a little speech yes. after the game. Yes. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he was the defensive MVP. Um, Missouri offensively finally got things going. Uh, they had a drive started on their own five yard line and uh, get a big play to Marquise Johnson. And that is, uh, it was a 50 yard pass completion, the longest pass given up by Ohio State this year. You called that in the preview. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, and after that, they had all the momentum. Yeah. They, yeah, I mean, you just have to be able to show that you're capable of throwing the ball down the field because it opens everything else up. Yeah. And that's basically what ended up happening was Cody Schrader started doing his thing. Yeah, he scored the touchdown, give Mizzou 7-3 to three lead. And then a couple drives later, Mizzou starting on their own nine-yard line this time, uh, go on another touchdown drive. Cody Schrader ran the ball nine times on that drive. And then it ended with a play-action pass to Luther Burden for the touchdown. Brady Cook fitting it in a window between the ref and the defender and then into Luther Burden's hands. Yeah, that was such a weird thing. That definitely felt like, we don't need a throw here. Like, Cody Schrader is going to get in the end zone, but we're going to get Lou a touchdown here. (laughs) And that's what happened. Producer Cameron, you had thoughts on the the Brady Cook to Luther Burden? Oh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that the concentration for Luther Burden to make that catch... Like, it's insane. Like, he's going, basically loses the ball behind the ref. At one point in the route, the ball's behind the ref, and he can't see it. Yeah. And he still is able to haul it in. They gave us that incredible concentration. Good throw, too. They gave us that back of the end zone angle a couple times. It's like going through, like, the ref and two defenders and just perfectly catches it. Like, beautiful. Yeah. Just building that highlight reel for for the draft process, you know, the the draft profile someday. Uh, he had another big play uh, in Missouri's last drive to kind of just finish off the game, uh, end-around run. And that was hilarious at the end. He runs right over the ref, and he didn't mean to do this, but he just runs over the ref. Ref's laying on the ground. Luther Burton flexes on him. And <laughs> Yeah, we were cracking up about that. Watching the replay of that play, Cody, you see Cody Schrader run over there and kind of be like, okay, like, come on get out of here and then he like checks on the ref it's like cody, cody did Sh- or yes, yeah okay. cody schrader did like he he bailed him over he saw like uh you just ran over this guy now you're flexing on him can we maybe do this over <laughs> yeah because it was like a basically a game clinching like first down run yeah. so obviously he was excited about that yeah. yeah yeah that was a funny moment yeah i think like players like in just in any college or nfl game like players running over someone on the sideline is always such a funny interaction because a lot of times they just completely ignore it yeah but um, Luther Burden on the touchdown gave the LeBron James celebration, mm-hmm. even when crowned himself in front of the Ohio State fans. I'm him, he said. Yeah. Um, but that was it. Uh, I was kind of hoping that maybe Missouri would get one more score there. It would have yeah, been a little bit nicer looking on the scoreboard. This was but- definitely like, and this is just a microcosm of like what this game meant to Missouri as a whole, but 
for me personally, I feel like I have a lot of friends and family who it's like, oh, you're a Mizzou, you're like a Mizzou fan. That's that's cute. They had a good season. Good yep. for them. Like, oh, they're playing Ohio State in a bowl game. That was basically like the reaction of all of my friends and family that you know are a little bit more casual. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's like, okay, wow, this is this that's a brand I've heard of. Like, yeah. you beat Ohio State. Like, okay, wow, this is you actually had a good season. Yeah. And so for them to you know go out and and perform that well, hold Ohio State to three points. I think that just means so much for Missouri football and the the nationwide brand and recruiting and all that stuff. I think it's just such a massive win, um, and to do it in the way they did it is awesome. Yeah, um, watching all of the post game celebration and everything, it went right into Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, and the way it's a little bit of a tangent, but the way I at least consume sports in twenty twenty three now in twenty twenty four, it's like. I just watch my team play and that's about it. Maybe I get some news and stuff from Twitter or whatever, watch YouTube highlights and stuff. But, you know, think back to when I was younger and you just watched ESPN all day. At least that was me. Yeah. Just you watch every talk show, multiple cycles of the same sports center. Same highlights. Yes. And so it was a little bit, it was nice to just like watch the game and then it just goes right into Sports Center with SVP. Yeah. They're like showing the highlights, they're talking uh, about the game, they interviewed Coach Drink. Yes. And we got to see that. I mean, obviously, Missouri played in 13 Super Bowls this year, if you ask the opposing fans of every single game. But this was the one where it's like, yeah, this is the Super Bowl. This, this is the last is, game of the season. This is the game we want to win. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's a big bowl game against Ohio State. Let's this is the one to treat like the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and the, the celebration was perfect. Yeah, I mean the New Year's Six games, I mean, those are like the feature game that day, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the only game going on, the whole country's watching. Yep. Yep. ESPN primetime. And uh Coach Drinkwitz, I like it just feels like he had hours of things to say, just like ready to go. Because it started with that in the on the stage when they're presenting the trophies mm-hmm. into the SVP interview, he's talking about David and Goliath, and he's bringing a <laughs> slingshot out, and it just like that is Coach Drinkwitz at his best. I feel like sometimes he can, you know, grade on you a little bit. At least me, it's like, come on, like just play the game a little bit, be personable. But uh, when Mizzou's winning, when Mizzou's on top, he. Is just the life of the party. Yeah. And, and that's exactly why so many fan bases hate him. Yeah. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And, and yeah, people, it's just like weirdos on Twitter or whatever, where like, you know, act like you've been there before or whatever. And like, no, that's not what I want to see out of my coach in this moment. I want to see him hyping up Cody Schrader when he's coming off the field. I want to see him talking up the players and yeah, just... Go crazy. Like, yeah, this is your moment. For sure. You, you may not have a moment quite like this again. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I uh, enjoy that my coach enjoys what he does and, and is loving it and is passionate about his players and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I don't I don't want an uh, a emotionless uh, CEO coaching my coaching my team. Like, yeah. I and, think and we, nobody's uh, going to care. I, I, I didn't care the moment it was announced that Kyle McCord was transferring. I did not care who the quarterback was for Ohio State. Don't care how many players opt out. Don't care. Missouri beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl for their 11th win of the season when they were picked, what, 
I can't even remember what they were picked second to last in the SEC East. Yeah. Never were even supposed to be there. But this uh man just gives me it it feels like it's 2013 again. You had that uh disappointing season the year before where that year it was injuries. Last year for this Missouri team it was these fluke plays that cost them wins. Yeah. And I really think Missouri's in this position a little bit more over the last 10 years if they can get the mix of offense and defense a little bit closer together at the, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You know, this defense, it was maybe close to elite at times this season, but they were not necessarily world beaters. This offense was not elite at all for a lot of the season, but they were just good enough, like yeah. both, both units, and uh, really came together. And, you know, we've seen... Missouri have some really good offenses in the Drew Locke era. We've had, we've seen some really, really good defenses like in 2015, mm-hmm. but we just haven't been solid on both sides of the ball at the same time. And, you know, I think Missouri showed that if you can kind of get the mix right at the, at the same time, you don't have to be, you know, incredible to get where you want to be. Um, yeah, I may, if I may disagree with you slightly that I think the, that both units are maybe a little bit better than you're giving them credit for, but I'm going to give you a little bit of inside information. Don't tell ESPN. I'm about to give out proprietary stats. Oh, no. But post-bowl game, Missouri's offense and defense, and I'm going to, I can't remember which one is which, one's ranked 13th, one's ranked 14th in SP+. That's pretty solid. So uh, they have climbed all the way up to 10th overall in SP plus predictive analytics rankings um, that's behind a paywall on ESPN.com. <laughs> but uh, so don't, you didn't hear that from me. Sorry, Bill Connolly. Yeah. Um, but, but to what you're saying though, is uh, they did it. They, they matched up. I mean, you can't be more, you know, well matched than top 15 on both sides of the ball at the yeah. same time. Yep. That's how you win 10 plus games for sure. Um, Who wins, though, this team or 2013? Did you know I was going to ask you that? I didn't. Uh, I should have been prepared for that. It's probably 2013 team, right? I'm trying to think. It'd be a good game, though. It would be a good game. I don't know. I think I might take this year's team. I'm thinking about that team had uh, Gaines in the defensive backfield, EJ Gaines. Shane Ray, Marcus Golden. That pass rush is causing problems for this Missouri team. And probably 2013. I'm trying to think. DGB. Yeah. But I think. uh, Damian Washington. That whole offensive line like went to the NFL. True. True. I don't know. I feel like Missouri's. If Missouri's defense is healthy. uh, If you've got Chris Abrams Drain and Rake Straw back there. I think Missouri's defensive secondary would cause problems for that offense i yeah, think secondary this year is better than 2013 I, I would agree with that yeah i'd like to see cody schrader versus uh henry josie talking cra- about some, some Missouri legends here crazy running back matchup maybe fingers crossed i can hope and pray that in the new college football video game they'll just let you make custom rosters and we can <laughs> play around with that kind of stuff we can actually make it, make them play each other. Yeah, that'd be a dream. <laughs> um, yes or no, Missouri makes the college football playoff next year. 
Sure, why not? I already said they're going to win 11 games in the regular season and play Alabama in the SEC championship game or hey, Georgia. And, and everybody's leaving Alabama in the offseason, so... I think I said Missouri-Georgia SEC yeah, championship game. Yeah, If you get there, either way, you're, you're probably you're in. in. So, yeah, we're in. Why not? Uh, yeah, producer Cameron, give it to us one more time. Faster, stronger, tougher than you in the fourth quarter, and we got an elite edge, and we're not going to be denied. And now we're the Cotton Bowl champs. M-I-Z! C-O-U. Beautiful. Impressive performance by the fans also, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, outnumbered, those that went. outnumbered the Ohio State fans by quite a bit. And we, I know we have lots of people in our audience that were there. So salute to you guys for making the trip and being loud. Um, next week or here pretty soon, we'll just, you know, really dive in and take a walk back through the season. It was such a special season. It feels like we should devote a little bit more time to going back to the beginning and reliving it a little bit. But for now... We will talk transfer portal a little bit. Um, I've got, actually, first, we've had a few Mizzou players who have announced their future plans. Um, Chuck Hicks, Mookie Cooper, and Joseph Charleston have all announced that they'll be returning for next year. So that's a good start. Ennis mm-hmm. um, Straw Jr. declares for the NFL draft, which is pretty predictable yeah seen, seen a lot of buzz for Ennis Rakestraw um already from some of the mock drafters some of the um some of the sharper minds in the community of the NFL draft for sure um there's been a, a lot of buzz and I wouldn't be surprised to see even Rakestraw maybe even going on on Thursday night for in the first round so we'll it, see though I saw that pop up once or twice over the course of the season that people were like hey watch out for this guy yeah the teams are just not throwing at him right yeah, literally just totally avoiding him. And I think what I what I already love about what I've seen uh, people saying about him is they they just have noticed the emotion and the toughness and those intangibles that he has in in his game, and clearly just wants it more than anyone out there. And which is what seems like the last thing that you would notice on somebody's film, just watching highlights or whatever. But if the if the scouts and, and the people that that matter that are making those decisions already know that about him. Um, I think that's going to bode really well for him. Yeah, I don't think it's going to take very long once the NFL draft uh, you know, process starts up. I don't think it's going to take very long for him to shoot up the big boards. Um, it's crazy how teams were not throwing at him, but then he would still make huge impact plays. I'm thinking about like tackles at the line of scrimmage where it's open space and he has to do it one-on-one. He came through multiple times this year yeah. making big tackles like that. Feels like yesterday we were just watching Coach Drink react to his commitment. And That's crazy. Doesn't doesn't look so silly now the way he reacted. No. He, I think Coach Drink knew something. Yeah, he knew what he had there. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Rakestraw himself, uh, I saw on Twitter somebody was posting the twenty four seven Sports um, twenty twenty class, and I mean it's Rakestraw, it's Chris Haven's Drain, it's uh, Brady Cook. I mean guys that are performing this season and uh rakestraw quote tweeted it was like my ranking was still way too low here (laughs) Um, that's true Uh, another guy that will be declaring for the draft that's maybe a little bit more of a surprise jc carlise uh declares for the draft he was a guy that i thought maybe yeah obviously he had another year of eligibility because he played in 2020 um i thought maybe the allure of running it back and trying to go for the playoff run might get him to come back, but can't really blame him. 
kind of going out on top with a 11 win season bowl champion. Um, I feel like a little bit of an underrated player the last couple years in Missouri's defense, just like quietly solid, just very, very solid. It finishes his Mizzou career with 220 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, nine interceptions and three forced fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, Carlisle is a guy that had a shot to go pro last year and decided to come back and play. Um, I think he is probably pretty happy with that decision. And like you said, he's, he's going out on top. He can't really end the season much better than they did this year. So can't blame him, but, uh, man, I agree. He's, he's a powerful safety and, um, is really versatile in, in the run game and the, in pass defense, like just some of those big hard hits and, yeah. Uh, he didn't have a lot of interceptions this year, but in previous years, he was kind of even a ball hawking safety at times. So can, even in limited action, yeah. like when he was younger, he yeah. would just come up with big plays like that. For sure. So he is, uh, he's might be a little bit of an underrated prospect. Uh, still some other guys with decisions to make. Um, I, Chris Abrams drain, you expect to go pro, um, it almost feels like Chris Abrams drain, like without knowing anything actually, but just speculation. It just it feels like a guy that like maybe in his heart wants to come back, but mm-hmm. like knows he should probably just go, move on and and make the the business decision. And I wouldn't fault him for that whatsoever. Uh, with uh, jumping back to Carlisle, with him moving on, opens up an opportunity for Marvin Burks to yeah contribute more for sure. That that definitely uh, doesn't sting quite as bad because you know you've you've got some good young players coming up. And we know uh, Toriano Pride coming over in the transfer portal is yeah. going to help out in the secondary quite a bit. For sure. Um, trying to think if there's anybody that will really be like on the edge of our seat waiting for their decision. Uh, Theo Weiss, we expect to come back. Yeah, it feels like we, we, we really kind of know, I think, for the most part. Like, we're pretty sure what's going to happen with some of the guys that haven't announced yet. But, yeah, it, it does really feel like Theo Weiss, like, even Coach Drinkwitz, like, acknowledged it on Twitter. He, you know, he said, one more year. Yeah. and. So I, I think Theo Weiss Theo's is going to be... dad is like, uh, just we'll see, we'll see. Pump the brakes on that. I think he, sa- he sent a gift that said, coming soon. Yeah. So I think we're going to get Theo Weiss back. I think we'll probably get Christian Williams back. Um, so that'll help the, the defensive line. And uh, uh, man, Christian Williams, just another guy who's like just silently yeah. great. Yeah. Just don't really hear his name called a whole lot, but just as a great run stuffer. And Yeah, I'm thinking back year. to preseason when it was looked like uh, he's going to be one of the main guys on... Uh, the interior of the defensive line yeah. was like, okay, a little bit unknown there, a little bit unsure, but could be okay. And he yeah. was better than okay. Yeah, totally, totally underrated, uh, even at Mizzou, for sure, what he's what he's done this season. But And I, I think he'll uh, he'll probably come back. But yeah, so I, we're pretty much just still waiting on Chris Abrams' drain, really. Maybe a couple more guys I'm forgetting about. So then um, looking at the transfer portal, um Missouri landed a commitment from former Florida defensive lineman Chris McClellan. He committed to to Mizzou over Oklahoma. That's been a bit of a trend recently. Yeah. Uh, has two years of eligibility remaining, was a four-star player out of high school. Huge pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't, like, necessarily have a ton of stats that he accumulated at Florida, but played a lot um, and still a very talented um, run stopper. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, like you said, a lot of, a lot of other – um, prestigious teams wanted him, and so pretty and Oklahoma and Oklahoma, yeah. It's a pretty big win for Missouri there. Uh, they picked up a commitment from former Murray State punter Orion Phillips. Yeah, I mean, uh, I 
I think our punting game might have been the weakest unit on the field consistently throughout the year. You know, uh, and Riley Williams transferring. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Luke Bauer did. He he had some good moments, but not some. He had not, one really good moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very true. He like saved the season at one point. Yeah. But um, I I think this is probably a good move to you know and uh, Orion Phillips is uh, had a great season at Missouri State as a freshman at Missouri State mm-hmm. Murray State as a freshman. And so, you know, he has a chance to come in and, and kind of win this job for the next three seasons potentially, and he looks like a guy who could be really good. I wouldn't mind some consistency back there. Yeah. And he's got some good hair. Love that. It's like Thor. Oh, yeah. Um, a little skinnier. A little bit. <laughs> uh, imagine a punter just like, <laughs> it just like basically Chris Hemsworth walks just out there. Jacked, and dude. Punts the ball. Uh, Missouri also picked up a commitment from... Two brothers, uh, Miami transfer linebacker Corey Flagg Jr. and his brother Caleb, who is a safety at Houston Christian. Um, obviously, the big pickup there is Corey Flagg Jr. He was at Miami with Blake Baker back in 2020, uh, has 179 career tackles. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this is kind of a sneaky, just super great pickup for the defense, like um, not necessarily like um, like super athletic guy, but it's just really, really solid interior uh, linebacker who will just always be there in the right spot and help clean up stuff um, for the defense next season. So um, I kind of play in the hopper role a little bit, and you're, he's going to be maybe a, you know the, the leading tackler on the team next year potentially. Speaking of Blake Baker, the rumors are swirling again. Obviously, actually... Um, that's news. Uh, the contract extensions for Baker and Kirby Moore were completed. There was speculation about that two weeks ago when we were talking. And Coach Drinkwitz got another year added to his contract, assuming there's a pay raise involved, but the details on all that haven't been released yet. But now LSU and whatever his name is, the head coach over there, I always want to call him Kelly. Ch- I always want to call him Chip Kelly. Is the problem? It's Brian. That'd Kelly. be half right. Chip's brother. Chip's brother, Brian, um, <laughs> sent all the defensive staff packing, basically. Is that right? Do I understand that right? That's correct, including Robert Steeples. Right. So hopefully that, uh, you know, tames down the in-state, the, the Missouri yeah. recruiting the for The recruiting LSU. pipeline. Yeah. And uh, Makai Wingo announced he's headed to the NFL draft from LSU, so... Yeah. That kind of makes sense if his guy was getting let go. Yeah. But, yeah, so they're overhauling their defensive staff and Blake Baker from Louisiana. Uh, what you were telling me, his wife played volleyball there? Uh, soccer, I believe. Yeah, okay. he's got some, uh, some, some, some ties for sure to LSU. And, um, yeah, they're, they're, looking for, uh, they're looking for some new, some studio, some new staff members over there. But we've, we've talked about this before. It's a lateral move. No lateral moves. No allowed. lateral moves. Hashtag no lateral moves. So we're not worried about it. Is that right? I would say um, 80% chance he's in Missouri. Okay. Uh, made, it, made it a little more expensive to come get him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I don't think money's a problem for LSU. Probably not. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. 80%. We'll be, we'll be fine. Yeah, that's close enough to 100 for me. 
Uh, back to the transfer portal. We have some players visiting. Uh, you take it away there. On the, you got a nice little list there of players from the portal visiting Missouri. Soon. Yeah, we got a few confirmed visits, and I think the big name that a lot of you guys probably already know about is um, Nick Scorton. From he's a defensive end from Purdue. Um, he also is going to be visiting Florida State, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. And by the way, Texas A&M had a lot of people transfer out, but that means they're also looking for a lot of players to come play for them now. Mm-hmm. They've got a new coaching staff, so they got a little bit of that new coaching bump potentially. They've actually been doing pretty well in the transfer portal so far. So, um, And also they got a, a crystal ball from Steve, Steve Wiltfong. He uh, did a crystal ball for Scorton to A&M today, I believe. I think he's at A&M today visiting. Okay. I think he vi- and he visits Mizzou on the fifth. That would make sense. So hopefully uh, we don't get any news coming out of that visit. Hopefully we get him to Mizzou. Uh, and so he he led the Big Ten in sacks as a sophomore. He had ten sacks this season. So obviously he's a hot commodity. And uh, hopefully Missouri still got a chance there. Um, less heralded guy is Nate Noel, and he's a running back from Appalachian State. And he is also visiting this weekend. He has been the starting running back for App State for the last three seasons. He's been really productive. Um, This past season, he had 834 rushing yards and five touchdowns. Um, So obviously, Missouri has some holes to fill at running back, and um, they've been pretty aggressive there. They added Marcus Carroll and uh, freshman Kaywan Lacey. And looks like they're probably going to add somebody else um, if they decide they want to go Noel's direction. I don't think there's a whole lot of competition for him right now. Yeah, uh, but need to fill up that running back room. Yeah, just kind of a steady guy that would uh, probably uh, help spell Marcus Carroll a little bit. Competitive depth. Exactly. We're picking. Yep. Uh, And then the last one is Derek Graham, who is an offensive lineman from Troy. Once again, visiting this weekend. And he is also visiting Pittsburgh A&M and Ohio State. And he's a pretty versatile offensive lineman who uh, played three seasons at Troy, so... Um, the, the fact that he can play tackle or guard, um, I think, makes him pretty attractive to any of the, the Power 5 teams that are after him. Do you want to put your personal crystal ball on any one of those three guys to come to Mizzou? Yeah, I mean, I think Noel is probably the most likely. Um, but I don't have a great feel on on Scorton um, or Graham, really. But um, I think Missouri's definitely got a shot on all, all three of those guys. It's so nice to, I feel like in previous seasons, it's been like, okay, we've missed on this guy. We've missed on this guy. We're not getting our, what feels like as fans, at least our top priorities in the portal. Mm -hmm. And so you get to this stage in the game after the new year and it's like, okay, we need a commitment or two to start feeling good about this. Yeah. And it feels so good to just have, especially at those key holes that we've been talking about, have a few of those spots filled by top tier guys. It just takes the pressure off this time yeah even just getting visits with um some of the hottest names in the transfer portal i think is is uh better than what we've seen in missouri recruiting the last you know five years or so so even just getting these guys on campus when everybody wants them i think is it says a lot about um how missouri is viewed nationwide right now anybody else any other portal news any other i believe all that i know of that's been confirmed uh we were noticing that uh wingo did it and I can't remember who else, yes. but there's uh, this Trajan Jeffco, Trajan Jeffco, and like literally several other former Missouri players are including making sure going out of their way to include Mizzou 
in what they stay thinking coach Drinkwitz. they're even including a picture of them in a mizzou uniform yeah. in their uh announcements to go pro yeah or yeah just various announcements the players make whether yeah. they're returning or transferring or going pro or whatever they're doing they're making sure to include mizzou as a, a like, place that they've been exactly and so it's a little yeah. strange it's very interesting it's so funny yeah, yeah. like oh yeah missouri was a place i they're they're good now that's yeah that was a place i played i want to be associated with that exactly all right, that's fine, I guess. If that's what happens when you win 11 games, I'll take it. All right, so all we have left is to go over our bowl pick em, and there's a little bit of drama. We'll let producer Cameron take it away. Okay. Britt's Co- going gonna to be upset. He, he's upset. <laughs> going, into last, so. yeah. going into last week... I don't remember the scores, but Kyle was ahead by one. I was behind. Well, I was behind Kyle by one, and the guest pickers were behind me by one. And, That's all that matters. And you were out and there. Cameron somewhere. was somewhere. I was here. This Find week, Cameron got six points. Kyle got six points. I got nine points. Guest pickers got ten points. Oh, is so, that like a perfect slate? So close to a perfect slate. Oh, we'll I, get to that. Yeah, so it close. wasn't. <laughs> that brings our season totals to Cameron has eighty-one. Kyle, 87. Myself and the guest pickers, 89. Tied at 89. Tied at 89. Man, I didn't realize I did that bad. Co-champions. Give us a couple of the big games that we did good or bad. There are a couple upset games that you didn't get, Kyle, that hurt you. The Penn State Ole Miss game, you were on an island. I was on an island for that. And Auburn, Maryland, you were not on an island. You and I. I should have known whenever you and I agreed. That was a bad sign. <laughs> now, a uh, little behind-the-scenes information here. Britt originally picked Michigan to beat Alabama. But, but, they, he, but he like said also, like we should make this kind of a collaborative thing with the guest pickers. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the big last week we're going for it all let's yes. maybe co- let's combine our minds here yes and that was that was what it did him in yeah just a just a bad idea Britt. you gotta know <laughs> that you're smarter than them and really it was it was all on tyler he came in and said no uh michigan is fraudulent <laughs> alabama all the way and if it weren't for that the guest pickers would have won all by themselves mm-hmm. and since there's a tie the official bylaws of SEC Pick'em plus Nebraska say that we just throw out the entire year and try again next year. <laughs> if there's no SEC games and no, Bra- no, no Nebraska, then there's no games to pick. Exactly. And so it just ends how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> so try again next year, everybody, including you, Producer Cameron. Sorry, well, but I just wrote the bylaws in my head just th- now. There's just no, there's nothing on the trophy for this year. Well, that's that, I guess. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if they... Uh, you know, producer they, Cameron's handled the trophy, so we can let him decide what he wants to do with it. That's true. If if uh, guest pickers and producer Cameron name end up on there, it won't be too big of a deal, I guess. Uh, but yeah, uh, congratulations, good picks all season long. I knew I was going to lose it right at the end. I knew I was going to lose it November seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. It's been a while. Yeah, a couple months ago. Great, great year though of pick'em. Yeah. Uh, is that it? I was hoping that Alabama was going to win so I could like stay alive another week and have a chance because I knew I was behind. I was hoping mm. Alabama was going to win because I am just all in SEC homer Look in those you. situations. Disgusting. SEC. Right. I'm with you. SEC. That's another thing. Uh, we're about to wrap it up here, but Mizzou being good 
and like SEC outlets and stuff embracing Mizzou this year. Yeah. It's been such a nice thing to see. I'm so tired of Missouri having to carry the SEC. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, especially the SEC East. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you see, uh, I'm sure you saw what Georgia did to Florida State. I we all it. knew that was going to happen, right? Yeah. Like that was just the most predictable thing in the world. Uh, Britt literally said Georgia by 100. It was almost true. Yeah. Close, yeah. They, they probably they won by 60. They could have made it 100, I think, <laughs> if they really wanted to. If they had another quarter, they easily would have. Uh, they pulled their starters and like second stringers even in the fourth quarter. There was, there was guys playing and scoring touchdowns in that game that are never going to see the field again. They're going to be accountants next year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this one thing, Cameron. Should Georgia have been in the playoff? Um, Were they one of the best four teams? I, I don't think so. They are right there. I so mean, you're just saying Florida State was just that bad? Yeah, uh, okay. and like half their Florida team Florida State's like number 25. Out. Yeah, half their team like opted out. But... Um, I mean, Michigan and Washington are undefeated. They're they deserving. Won their games. They're playing for the national championship. Texas was, you know, a few plays away from being there. So you're telling me if Georgia and Texas played, Texas wins? No. Best. I team, rest my case. <laughs> neutral field. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. We'll never know. No. Uh, yeah. And that's what makes sports great. It seems like, I mean, you can't argue with, uh, when they play the games, it feels like Washington and Michigan are the top two. Then there's a group of three right behind them. And then Mizzou is right there. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. Ohio state right there. Another tier down. <laughs> I'm happy with that though. Faster, stronger, tougher than you in the fourth quarter. And we got an elite edge and we're not going to be denied. And now we're the cotton bowl champs. M-I-Z. Tell them, coach. Tell them. Man, the crowd at, at the end of that, Yeah, I was not expecting that the first time I heard it. Mm. We travel. Oh, yeah. Not us, That's literally, not us. specifically. We don't, yeah. <laughs> don't have any money. Yeah, they, uh, they do, though. <laughs> uh, they got our back. Um, are we done here? Yeah. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Hartzell, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Lewis Hernandez, and Joshua Jacobson. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We love you very much. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This is a podcast. We're on uh, Twitter, at Missouri Sports Pod. <laughs> and you can email us at Missouri, at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. <laughs>